Welcome back to the Free Flow Outdoors podcast, or maybe welcome for the first time. I've been on a little bit of a hiatus from podcasting here as we have officially opened the doors at the Free Flow Outdoors retail store in Laramie, Wyoming. So things have been a little bit chaotic for the past couple weeks, but we're settling in now and I'm ready to get back to putting episodes out every two weeks here. So, if you're in Laramie or coming through southeastern Wyoming, stop by and check us out. We are a full-service archery pro shop servicing all brands. We have a fly fishing selection, and we will be adding some hunting gear as we start approaching the season here. So, we are at 1264 North 4th Street. Right now, we are open Wednesday through Sunday, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. So, if you're around, come check us out. Alright, so there's my shameless plug for the episode, but let's move right along here. This week I'm going to start with our fly fishing series. So, previously on this podcast I did a western big game hunting series, which was four episodes. I went over the Wyoming hunting and draw systems, um, two episodes on creating an application strategy, which I broke down into goal setting and then different states and hunts and the fourth episode was lessons learned archery elk hunting so just wrap that up and as we're getting into fishing season here I figured I'd do a little fly fishing series so this week I'm going to talk about planning a fly fishing trip to western states and I'm hoping this doesn't just do apply to people coming from say east of the Mississippi but maybe you're just going one state over so I'm not gonna list a bunch of suggested trips or anything like that I'm just gonna kind of go over some tools that I've implemented in the last few years as I've planned more and more fishing trips that I've used and utilized to just make everything go smoother and just make the trip overall more enjoyable. So whether you're coming from the East Coast to chase trout in the Rockies or maybe you're just coming to Wyoming from another western state or something like that, hopefully this episode will have some valuable insight as I have planned many a fishing trip and made plenty of mistakes in doing so over the years. So really the last, oh, three or four years I'd say I've really kind of dialed in my system for planning these trips and it's a far cry from where I started when I was in college to just kind of looking at some far off river or some destination with some buddies over some beers and just kind of saying, all right, cool, let's go there. And not really making any plans or type of itinerary, just kind of flying by the seat of our pants. So the last few years, I've really uh, put more research and effort into the planning phase. And I think that has made trips that I've taken go a lot smoother. So Just going to try to share some of what I've learned in doing that and how that might be able to help you plan your own fishing trip out west. So basically what I'm going to do here today is just go over how you can narrow down potential trips and dates based on your own personal fishing preferences, key items to research and consider in the planning phase, putting together an itinerary, as well as an appropriate gear list. So with that, let's get right into determining your destination and time of year for your western fly fishing adventure. So the first thing I like to do when I'm sitting down to plan a trip is to make a list of some different options. You might be constrained a bit by where and when you can plan your trip for, 
but for the most part, no matter where you're going or what time of year you're planning on fishing, you're going to have some options when planning a trip to the Rocky Mountain West. There's just a lot of different types of water, um, different elevations, different species you can target, and just a lot of different terrain um, that are available to you to plan your trip around. So there's obviously going to be some outliers when it comes to planning a fishing trip. For example, if you're planning a winter trip, you're pretty much going to be confined to tailwater fishing. But any trip you're planning to trout country, basically from April right through October, is going to come with some options for different types of fishing and different types of water to hit. So the first thing I'm going to do is make a list of the options that appeal to me within the parameters of when and where I'm planning my trip for. So I'm just going to use a general example here, not saying this is what you need to plan your trip around, um, just a place to use as an example of how I would approach the planning process of a trip like this. So let's go with, say, the Greater Yellowstone Ecosystem, and I'm going to plan it for any time in July or August. Um, not the most original of trip plans, but something everyone can wrap their head around, I think. So the first thing I'm going to do is think about what type of water and what type of fishing I'm going to be interested in. And for me, I'm particularly interested in fishing big dry flies this time of year. So the first thing I'm going to do is look up some hatch charts and see what's happening in that area this time of year. I'm usually going to combine this with looking at a map and starting with some of the bigger rivers in the area. So I like to consider a few base camp type areas where I'm going to camp or stay at a motel and then determine a radius around that that I'm looking to fish within. So for this trip, let's say I'm willing to drive up to 45 miles one way on a given day to go fishing. So now I'm going to pick out some major rivers within that radius and look up hatch charts. So I'll do the Snake River, the South Fork of the Snake, and the Yellowstone. And these are just three different rivers within those uh, within that radius that's going to give me a pretty good overall snapshot of the area rather than say just looking at one river. So just as an example here if I only looked at the hatch charts for the snake I would miss out on seeing that there's going to be salmon flies hatching on the Yellowstone into mid-July. So looking at a few different main river branches can really open your options and give you a bit more to consider. Um, like I said, I'm going to be particularly interested in fishing big dry flies on this trip, which is always a possibility on the snake, but looking at the Yellowstone in addition to the snake as something I might be interested in, I can see that those big bugs are going to be coming off into July, and that might be one of the main things that I want to base this trip around. Seeing as I am a big fan of fishing big dries, the salmon fly hatch is going to be of great interest to me, probably primary interest for this trip. So I know I'm going to want to spend at least two days of this, let's say five day fishing trip, fishing the Yellowstone in the park with the goal of catching fish on salmon fly patterns. Next, knowing that I'm interested in fishing dry flies all week, I'm going to look at what kind of water I'm interested in fishing. Just looking at a map, I can see that the Yellowstone and the Snake are two of the main drainages and bigger rivers in the area. And maybe I want to get into some backcountry fishing on some higher elevation tributaries as well. So now I'm going to start looking at tributaries to these main branches, noting which ones run through public land and which ones get me farther away from roads and trailheads and start researching those rivers. So this is where a good book or two can come in handy. The Yellowstone area is an easy example because it's such a historic fishery 
So there's a lot of literature on fishing here. Once a few different streams pique my interest, I'll head to the Google machine and to some different books to do a little more research on them. Usually in this stage you can get a good idea through that research what kind of fish and size class you're working with, uh, what the terrain and hiking might look like, and how accessible or inaccessible they might be. Me personally, I'm looking for things like a long hike from the trailhead or a good 4x4 vehicle is recommended to tell me what streams may receive less pressure. So anything that's not one of the main stems, I'm kind of basing my decision to go check out some of these tributaries based on that, based on how easy or difficult it is to get into some of these fisheries. And from there, it's really just a matter of finding some stuff that matches your criteria and putting it on your list. And some of these tributary streams you might not find any information, either by searching the internet or even picking up a book. For me, these are the streams that really get my attention, but if you're planning a multi-day fishing trip to somewhere you haven't been and you don't necessarily want to waste a day on a potentially fruitless exploratory, you might want to stick to the tried and true or at least some of those rivers that you, you can get a little bit of information on and kind of wrap your head around a little bit. So now that you're armed with this information, you should be able to determine your overall area. You should be able to mark down some rivers that you're interested in, some streams and hatches that you're interested in. Now, how do you go about turning this into a feasible itinerary? So with a good comprehensive list of streams, rivers, hatches, etc. to target for your trip, now you can start mapping out your days. And believe it or not, I never started making itineraries for fishing trips until a couple of years ago. Um, just when I realized I needed to be a lot more efficient and plan better in order to have a better experience in a very much finite amount of time. I used to just pick a destination, whether it be trying out the Deschutes in Oregon for steelhead, going to Yellowstone, down to the Colorado River, or even a saltwater trip to the Florida Keys. I would just pick a destination and go hit the first fly shop I saw, buy a few flies, and squeeze the guy behind the counter for some local intelligence. That was my formula for years, and I had a lot of good trips doing that, but I think I also left a lot on the table by not being more prepared. And it made for a lot of frustrating trips as well that didn't need to be that way. There's no harm in going into an area armed with a little bit of research and knowledge of the local fishery before you even get there but that always felt unnecessary to me. Once I started building these itineraries before I would take off on a trip, not that I ever follow them to a T, but they do provide a good outline and reference point throughout your trip. So I found that while I wasn't living and dying by the itinerary, it did make everything run a little smoother. It gives me and my fishing partner something to look at and make a plan for the following day versus the old method of just waking up hungover and asking each other where we felt like going that day. So now I will build itineraries for everything right down to even an overnight trip. For example, I am planning an overnight trip this summer in which I'll have to leave around 7.30 p.m. after work and I'm only gonna have a day to fish and get back home. And my destination is about a four hour drive from where I live. So even for this short trip, the itinerary comes in handy because it allows me to wrap my head around the logistics, reasonably plan out how long and how far I can fish and it helps me plan my hikes and helps with looking at maps figuring out where I would like to get to 
on this short venture. For longer trips, it's the same idea. Just gives me an idea of how far a particular stretch of river might be from base camp, how deep in we could reasonably go and still make it back to camp at a decent hour, and how all of that compares to some of the other stretches of river that we might have our eyes on. So when I'm making an itinerary for a fishing trip, I try to include everything and I try to create a, little, a lot of wiggle room with time. For example, if Google Maps tells me the drive is three and a half hours, I'm going to plan for four or even four and a half just to allow for construction, traffic, or any other type of delays. If we're stopping to eat en route to a fishing destination, shout out to the Lander Bar, which generally takes about an hour tops. I'm still going to allow for about an hour to an hour and a half. This way nothing gets squeezed out and I can reasonably expect to get in all the fishing that I have originally planned. The next thing I like to do is say I'm back to planning this five-day Yellowstone trip. I'm going to pick the top five stretches of river that interest me based on location, my research of the fishery, and what kind of hatches are going to be going on. So I've already decided that I'm going to fish the Yellowstone River for two full days. I'll make a daily itinerary for those days with wake-up times, departure times, and drive times. So I know what time to wake up and get going to get the most out of the day. So the itinerary is just an outline that I can loosely follow and keep an idea of the logistics of traveling to and fishing all the different pieces of water that I want to hit in a given trip. Another benefit of building an itinerary is that it forces you to do research. It forces you to see what kind of drive time you have to a certain stretch of river, where you plan on parking, where you can hike to on a given day, different access points, and even what time of day you want to arrive if you're basing your trip around certain hatches. Sometimes I'll be planning a trip and get really hell-bent on fishing a particular piece of water, but when I start breaking it down in my itinerary, I'll see that it might just not be feasible, and it's always better to learn that a part of a trip isn't going to work out in the planning phase rather than losing a half day or a full day during the trip itself. So for the spontaneous adventurer, an itinerary may seem a little rigid, but it's something I now do for most every trip, even if I rarely follow them strictly, I just like building a list of options, doing the extra research, and having my head wrapped around the logistics of everything I want to fish on a trip. So a little bit of a shorter podcast here this week, but to start wrapping up, I will spare you an entire gear list for planning a fishing trip because it's going to be vastly different depending on your destination, time of year you're going, and the different hatches that are going to be occurring at that time. But there are three key items that I think need to be included on every fly fishing trip in the Rocky Mountain West, at least when you're planning to fish out of view of your vehicle, as most of us do. So crucial items that I always have on me when I'm fishing are a first aid kit, a rain jacket, and some sort of navigation or satellite communication device. Most of the time, these items just stay buried in my pack, but I would really hate to be in a situation where I really need one of these items and I didn't pack it. So starting with the rain jacket, regardless of what the weather forecast says, in my experience, thunderstorms or even snow squalls can pop up at about any time in the mountains. And they come from out of nowhere, it seems like. And I can say from experience that getting soaked as the temperature drops 10 or 15 degrees in an isolated thunderstorm and then having a two or three mile hike back to the trailhead can really ruin a day of fishing. So... Just be prepared for really any inclement weather that might pop up and 
when you look at the weather forecast and it says a 0% chance of precipitation and it's just a bluebird sunny day when you start out, it might be tempting to either not pack a rain jacket or, or pull it out of your pack just to save on weight a little bit. But those, uh, those thunderstorms and inclement weather can really pop up out of the blue, especially once you get into the higher elevations of the mountains. So no matter where I'm going, no matter what the weather forecast says, I always have a rain jacket down at the bottom of my pack. The first aid kit, so far I've only had to use this for small cuts, uh, nothing too serious. And I may have taken an aspirin or two out of it at some point. But it's one of those items you hope to never have to use, but you can really get yourself in trouble without it. Even if you're just out for a day hike, being even a mile from your vehicle, you can still get into some pretty serious trouble if you have no way to stop bleeding or make a makeshift splint, something like that. Which leads me into my next item, which is some kind of navigation, GPS, or satellite communication device. So having some way to either navigate back to or contact the civilized world is pretty crucial when fishing or even just generally recreating in the Rocky Mountains because you can get yourself pretty far from civilization pretty quick and if you get into some trouble you want to have some kind of avenue to get help. At the very least I always carry a compass if I know I'm going to be heading deep into the backcountry even on just a day trip I'm going to be bringing my Garmin inReach which has a text function and an emergency SOS signal. And I know that function works because I accidentally set it off one time, but I do not recommend testing that function. It works. Just have faith in it. Um, the Garmin is kind of the best of both worlds in that it, in addition to being a navigation device, I also have those emergency contact features. But there's a lot of different options out there to cover this. You have the spot satellite communication devices. Zolio makes a Bluetooth device that you can connect to your phone and text via satellite that way. There's plenty of options and price points out there. But if you're going into the mountains, I would strongly recommend having some sort of guaranteed line of communication back to the civilized world. I know that I've been pretty far along in a day fishing trip and have the thought of if I break an ankle or get a deep cut, I'm pretty much screwed and it's an eerie feeling so avoid that be safe carry a first aid kit and a rain jacket and a gps and just focus on the fishing rather than your potentially impending disappearance so that will wrap up our first episode in this fly fishing series uh, a little bit short this week so i'll go a little bit more in depth when we get to that pre-runoff episode um, i'll be releasing that two weeks from now and I'm just going to cover pre-runoff fishing techniques. And pre-runoff fishing should be just about heating up by that time. So this is one of my favorite times of year to fish. And I'll just have a few tips and tactics that have been beneficial to me during this time of year. And as always, if you're enjoying the podcast so far, please feel free to subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. So that will do it for this week. I'll talk to you in a couple weeks with some tips on pre-runoff fishing. And as always, thank you for listening.